Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sing to the Lord, the podcast that breaks down how the Lutheran hymnody is preaching the gospel. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. What you're hearing is the hymn, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. Welcome back to Sing to the Lord. We have Zachary and Lars, and we're hailing to this podcast's anointed. I mean, hail to the Lord's anointed. Uh, yes, 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 Mason. Thanks for uh, thanks for the the, the uh, quick intro there. Today we you've selected for us it's ELW three eleven. Hail to the Lord's anointed and. Um, Zachary, tell us a little bit about this this uh, hymn's history. Yeah, well, it was written. You know, we've 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 uh, invited uh, Baptist hymn writers onto this podcast from time to time, uh, even a couple Anglicans as we go. This one was written for the Moravians, and um, I really don't know much about the Moravian uh, churches, other than I happen to substitute often for one uh, in uh, college for a time, and uh, they worshipped about twenty five. Um, but still were on television. It really was remarkable. Um, anyway, they wrote. he wrote it for Moravian congregations. And um, what it really is, is a paraphrase of uh, Psalm 72. Um, so uh, for all those who maybe didn't celebrate Epiphany back uh, in the earlier part of this month, here's your opportunity, because Psalm 72 is appointed for uh, Epiphany of our Lord every year. And um, while it doesn't fall on this uh, weekend, um, I think the text itself, um, even as it is pared down here from eight to four stanzas in this hymnal, um, really works well um, in saying something about who Christ is um, and what his authority, uh, what authority he possesses that uh, the scribes uh, are not so sure, (laughs) well, the Pharisees and the scribes do not have. Yeah, that's always the question, right, that they keep coming out with. Uh, Jesus is speaking as one with authority, mm-hmm. and they keep asking and wondering and pondering, where does this authority, um, where does it come from? Where does it arrive? Right. Um, uh, but even in the text for this week in Mark chapter 1, uh, you see that the the demons uh, uh, hear this word, um, that the that even the, the Pharisees or uh, authorities can't quite, can't quite... Um, Stomach can't quite hear. They're mm-hmm. still in the in the questioning. Where does he get this uh, this marvelous word from? Um, yeah. So in this uh, in this hymn, "Hail to the Lord's Anointed," um, what would you um, what do you, what do you think it's adding for the the proclamation for the for the? Sure, week? I think it's one that has to go alongside uh, any sermon that's preached because you you finally uh, don't name Christ in the hymn, and often, most of the time, I'll try to avoid hymns that don't mention Jesus uh, by name, um, and say something about Christ's work uh, uh, on the cross. Um, but because it's a psalm paraphrase, you're not necessarily going to get that, and you don't get that in the original eight stanzas, by the way, either. Um, so it has to go alongside the sermon, I think, or in place of the psalm, where it may, may appear in other places. Um <clears throat> and it works well in that way. Um, what I think it it um, adds um, is to say something both about 
where Christ gets this authority, you get hints of this um, even in the title, Hail, Hail to the Lord's Anointed, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Savior, all of these things uh, sort of link, linking together, um, Christ as, uh, uh, as this. And, um, and then further, um, what he's come to do, which, which we see in the reading also, uh, in the in the scripture reading for this weekend, the gospel text um, to break oppression, uh, to set captives free. You see, you see all of this happening, um, and uh, coming to the poor and needy, uh, coming to give strength to the weak, um, to give them songs for sighing, their darkness turning to light. All of these things Christ comes to do, and. Um, then the third stanza, because it's a psalm and it just packs in all kinds of uh, oftentimes imagery. First time I read the opening of the third stanza, I thought, well, what good is this? It sounds like, uh, I don't know, somebody went out to water the garden. <laughs> you shall come down like showers upon the fruitful earth, love, joy, and hope like flowers spring in your path to birth. Well, all of this is simply saying when Christ comes, the authority he has to give is life <laughs> to the world. Uh. Now, I think it's, I think it's, um, uh, easily disguised in the psalm, thank you, poetry, right? Um, but if if we can even take a moment to to uh, put that in the bulletin or reference it uh, at some point in a sermon, all of a sudden we realize what we're singing about there. And then when Christ comes to give life, what comes with this? Well, um, uh, peace and righteousness flowing freely, both of these things. Um, and of course, what are the angels announcing at the birth of Christ? What is that, um, as the hymn says, it's peace, the herald, th- that uh, heraldic scene, if you will, <laughs> that they're saying peace to those on earth. And uh, because Christ comes to give life uh, to those in darkness, we have, uh, we have uh, righteousness now, Christ's righteousness given right to us. Um, that's a little bit in stanza three. So it says a little bit of what this authority is and that it's not simply uh, a past event um, given to somebody in a synagogue a long time ago to irritate some Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or make them question, who is this? And, and uh, how is he teaching with this authority? Yeah, that's quite, um, that's quite the image actually of just of what Jesus is doing, coming down upon the earth to bring light, peace, and right, life, pre- peace, and righteousness uh, upon the earth to those whom he comes and finds in the world. Yeah, the other, I mean, the other thing, the fourth stanza, it really moves from the promise, the one who's anointed, the one promised by God, to the one who's now going to come and give this. And here's the result, it tells us. Um, uh, It puts it a little bit in the context, both of the present day, I think, and also the context of this uh, time after Epiphany, where we've heard about Christ being revealed to all nations and kings coming before him. You get a little bit of that in the final stanza. Kings shall fall down before you and gold and incense bring. All nations shall adore you. These are themes we hear through this uh, time after Epiphany. And um, when when he uh, comes with authority to forgive sin, rulers of the world, with only worldly authority, uh, well, they bring gifts. Um, Powerful nations of the world have to bow down in adoration. God's people lift their voice in song. All of these things actually happen because he comes with an authority we don't have (laughs) to give life where death, uh, where there was only death. Um, And so, uh, 
And then in contrast to all of these kings and all of these powers of the world, the psalm finally says, and the paraphrase too, this kingdom has no end. So uh, it, it really is a wonderful picture, but you have to do some unpacking. And I think it, it, uh, it goes best uh, around sermon time for sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's probably going on in the, in the reading as well is, you know, when, when Jesus' kingdom arrives, uh, it puts an end to others. Yeah. Uh, and that means um, that uh, his is not just like any other kingdom, ending yours, the mind can begin. His is without end. It will not be uh, overtaken, will not be ended by others. I will mention, if um, anybody has the interest, um, go online and look up the original eight stanzas because they're they're even more pointed, just like the psalm is, by the way. The, the psalm names specific uh, countries and uh, places that will bow before the anointed one. And we've taken out some of this language, but it really is striking. One that's left in some hymnals that um, is worth uh, at least knowing, and it, and it belongs at the conclusion. It belongs after this stanza four. Uh, it goes this way, or every foe victorious, he on his throne shall rest from age to age more glorious, all blessing and all blessed. The tide of time shall never his covenant remove. His name shall stand forever. That name to us is love. So uh, it's, again, a paraphrase of the psalm, but you get a little bit more of what it is that's going to last being God's promise to us. Well, if people don't want to be quite as pointed uh, in, yeah. th in this way for, the, for this week, are there any other hymns that you would suggest for yeah. the week? Yes, there are some that also uh, place the authority that we have in the context of what God brings and the, the things that rule our lives in the context of Christ coming and saying, I'm going to take all of this away and give you something completely new uh, that will last. One uh, that I can recommend is uh, a not as often sung chorale, um, but it's present in most, if not all, Lutheran hymnals. Praise the Almighty, and further in the hymn, praise the Almighty, my soul adore him. Uh, this is ELW 877. And um, while it extols um, uh, what what God is, has done for us, it also has this stanza in the middle. Trust not in rulers, they are but mortal. Earthbound they are and soon decay. Vain are their counsels at life's last portal when the cold grave engulfs its prey. Since mortals can no help afford, place all your trust in Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, right there, it tells you what Christ comes with authority to do. And uh, if nothing else, sing that stanza. Um, because while the rest of it is a nice hymn of praise, that one says, where we can do nothing, where all our power runs out, Christ comes and says, I have authority to do something you cannot. So uh, that's a fantastic hymn to sing this weekend.
Thanks for joining us this week on Sing to the Lord. Check the show notes for Zachary's stanza-by-stanza commentary, as well as a list of other hymns we recommend. See you next week.